thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, Radiant family, I have my father joining me on Father's Day. Can you give a big hand for Hal Perkins? Hey, it's great to see all of you. Thank you so much for being here. Before we get started, I just want to highlight that in that video, we saw uh, Emma and River Montgomery. And uh, I just want to celebrate that adoption. Can we give a big hand for that family? So beautiful. Tim and Rebecca, we love you. And um, just so many of you just jumping all in with adoption and loving children, fostering. Can we give a big hand for all of those families that do that? So kingdom, looks like Jesus. So awesome. Just love that. Uh, love celebrating that. Love what God is doing. All right, Dad, here we go. We're in this series. Hey, before we do that, let's just pretend it's a Tuesday, 1991, baby. I've got a mullet. You've got more hair. I've got more hair. And we're like, there we go. Hold on. Yeah. We weren't allowed to drink root beer. Were we? Yeah, we did. Okay. Come on. Yeah, there we go. All right. So here we go. We're going we're gonna to celebrate ahead of time. Uh, my dad uh, took me out on Tuesdays. And so we'd sit there and we didn't drink root beers. We drank a Coke at Brahms. Was, Where they refilled them for free. I know. Yeah, this would be expensive to refill. And there's no caffeine. So who cares? I don't even care about it now. Uh, all right. So, um, but basically we've been in this series and, and kind of big context that we're talking about is week after week talking about as the family of God, uh, what God's invited us into. And a, it's a culture building idea where we've worked on humility and we've worked on rest and we've worked on living with mission. And today, um, Father's Day, having you join us, but I, but I want us to just lean in and we're gonna talk a little bit about making disciples in the family. And let me just read this real quick. Uh, I read this last week, but this verse, uh, because Jesus talks about those who do his will um, are his family. And so let me read this and then we'll jump in. Um, and then we'll pray in just a minute. All right. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside uh, wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so I just, I love that. I think it's a perfect context for talking about making disciples in the family. So do you want to pray for us before we get started? I do, except <clears throat> I'm not good at faking spontaneity, but I think it was really Wait, great. wait, does that mean you think I am? No, 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 no. no I mean, no, you're no, pointing no, at no, me no, just no, like this. I'm sorry. I'm not good I'm at I'm telling you. But in this first service, I thought it'd be great to have Doss come, <laughs> but I think it'd be great to have Livy and Doss come if they both pray short. Hey, it's Fair your enough. day. It's Livy, your day. Doss, come on. Happy come, 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 quick, day. quick, quick. Come quick. Okay. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this amazing Father's Day. Jesus, I ask that you give Dad wisdom as he speaks. Jesus, would you use him as your vessel and speak through him? In my pray. Amen. And we believe for that. Uh, Jesus, we love you. Father, we are so honored to be in your house. 
Father, to be able to gather with the saints and worship Jesus, we delight in you. And Father, on this Father's Day, we celebrate you. Father, we thank you for the kind Father that you are, the one by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So Jesus, we look to you today. We thank you for the kind Father that you are. Ask Holy Spirit that you would help Poppy as he communicates your word. I ask that you'd give him clarity, Jesus, that you'd strengthen him. Holy Spirit, would there be only your words? Help him listen well and communicate well. We love you. We delight in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys did great. Thank you. <laughs> so let's go after this. Let's get started. Um, one of the things that I uh, have great memory of um, in my childhood was some of the ways that you intentionally um, spent your life making disciples in the family, obviously. And um, when I was older, I was able to look back and recognize abnormal systems, habits, processes that took up a lot of time and a little bit of money to intentionally do. Not much much money. Yeah. I mean, 10 cents a a month, a month. Um, Just kidding. Uh, But talk to us for just a moment. Um, Let's go back to the 1970s where you're starting to put your plan into place. Just give us that narrative. And everybody somewhere along the journey, uh, we have we have grandparents and we have parents of teenagers and we have, we actually have people that are engaged that are, uh, you know, ever, and then you've got teenagers, you got everything, but let's just, let's, let's go towards that season for you where you started to work on essentially uh, a strategy to make disciples in the family. Okay. And let me <clears throat> mess with it again, because I want to say a couple of preliminary things. Yeah. First of all, we both know deeply agree that every good thing that you've done as a dad, and you're shocking to me how good it is. Every good thing I ever did, every good idea, every good idea, every good word, we know. Comes from Renata. Yes. That's, I missed it in the first service. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, that's exactly the truth. Actually, we'll get, but it, it comes from above. From God. I knew where you were going. That's a good verse of scripture. We didn't have it on the screen, but you missed that line. Anyhow, um, and and so... (laughs) Let's get that clear. I mean, I'm dead serious. Doesn't sound yeah, like it. God, yeah. It's really a big deal. But I don't particularly like the phrase because we use it flippantly, but we both married up. Yeah. Big time. Um, My wife, your mom, tons of good things, but both of us constantly had someone that was not seeing what was bad, seeing it, but not verbalizing it, not talking about it, but seeing the good and encouraging both of us. And all the stuff we talk about, if Debbie hadn't been what she was, I wouldn't be sitting here today because she was good. And it's equally true of Renata, and I won't embarrass you or her by talking about it unless you give me an extra 10 minutes, but... Oh, I'd love that, actually. <laughs> well, you already said it, so every good and perfect gift comes from Renata, so we're all in business. <laughs> no, but, it's from God. It's oh, from God. Oh, all right. Just got to get it clear. But anyhow, we're You're the one that said so... married up. <laughs> I actually <laughs> married up. She's like an inch taller than me. Yeah, Sorry, I, I, I didn't want to say that, but I was thinking it. Anyhow, no. <laughs> so, yes, we're good. And, and, and I, I do want to also... This is very important. 
you asked me about purposes and processes, and I want to get to that. We're going to talk about high and lofty purposes today. And we're going to talk about fathers. But I hope every father and mother and anyone who takes God-given responsibility to steward those around us, called those we're discipling, especially family, I hope that all of us will, number one, really get it deeply into our core that we've got a high call, but it's little tiny steps, slow steps, long-term steps, two steps forward, one step back, one step up, two steps down, but we got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and completer, and keep after it, and we'll talk about how to keep after it. But there's one more thing that's really important. I, I didn't say it in the first service until I grabbed the mic from you at the end. How about, how about we all agree, letting the things that are behind be gone? How many have been a perfect father and mother? Okay, good. That's the truth. Let's let it go. We're going to talk about some ideals. We're going to talk about some processes that maybe you never even heard of or thought about and didn't do. I have people say to me all the time, I just wish I'd have known that 20 years ago. Well, you didn't. It's okay. Let's let it go. Let's let the past go. Let's look forward. Fair enough? Okay. Purposes and processes. Is that where I'm supposed to answer? It's beautiful. Keep going. Yeah, <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, you, I don't know if everyone knows. It doesn't matter. I was a coach teacher, loved athletics, loved football, loved basketball, loved track, loved baseball, did them all. It was in me. Then I got called to be a pastor, and I was scared to death of it. I'd seen so many challenges. I didn't want to do it. I was scared. But I said to the Lord, if you I don't know why I bargained with him. I don't know what happened. But I basically said, Jesus, I'm going to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over. I'm going to study that hard to find out not so much how you want me to live, but how you want me to pastor. And I'll trust you. I'll study you. And I did. And I, I studied a lot of things, learned a lot of things about Jesus, some which I knew and some which I didn't. But I discovered something no one was talking about back then. This was about Civil War days. I discovered that... <laughs> that Jesus spent a whole lot of time hanging out with a few. And I thought he was pretty busy. He had a, you know, he kind of had this uh, Messiah complex. He, he thought he came to save the world. And so I figured he was busy, but he spent all kinds of time with just Peter, James, and John, and a few others. And I kept writing it down. And then I wrote down, Jesus, Jesus prioritized time with a few. I wrote that down. And then I, I figured out, okay, then if I'm going to pastor the way Jesus did, I'm going to have to make disciples, but I didn't have a clue what that meant or how to do it. So then I gave another oh, four years almost all through seminary stuff, studying Jesus. How did you do it? How did you make disciples? So I went through it. And so in that process, I came up with a great big purpose, make disciples. And then I came up with a ton of processes, steps that I finally organized down from eight principles down to three very specific strategies that I implemented in the first church we pastored in New Jersey where you were born. Well, that was going great. I was excited. 
and one of the things I would say often and meant it, that I discovered that making disciples is kind of like adopting children. Jesus adopted 12, and then they lived together. They ate together. They talked together. In the morning, I mean, they just lived together. And it, I began to formulate the ideas. We are making disciples one way or another, for better or for worse. Every parent's making disciples. But I started talking about the idea that, that making disciples is like having a family. And that preached real well until your mom and my wife had triplets. Surprise. Surprise. Big surprise. And so then we're suppo- we had names for two, but we had to come up with another name. And she's right here. She lived. And so um, right in the middle of that, I remember just with just fear, nothing short of sheer fear, thinking about three kids, driver's license, same day. Three kids going to college, same day. I, I just, I had all sorts of, all sorts of parents who'd come to me with their problems. They expected me as a teacher and a coach to take care of their kids because they couldn't. And I'd heard all the stories, tried to solve them, fix them. I was, I panicked. And I said, Jesus, what am I going to do? It was a real, it was a real desperation prayer. Great name. Yeah, desperate. I was. And, and, and I just said, Jesus, what am I going to do? I meant it. And and I knew and I know far better now that the Lord talks to us all the time by his spirit. But I actually, it was not audible, but it was loud. I heard, do what I did. And I put the dots together. You came to change the world. What did you do? You made disciples. It's like a family. You've got three. These are your disciples. So I had my purpose. Disciple my kids. And I have my processes. Do with them what I did. And now you've tried to figure out and you're trying to do in the church. So that, that's the big purpose. Make disciples. Process. With very few adjustments. Just application. And that's where it came from. And that's what we want to kind of push a little bit today. It's beautiful. Okay, so let's save process for the end. And okay. we'll, we'll, hit, we'll hit three practical steps Yep. at the end. But before we go there, uh, beautiful to hear strategy. Um, as a, for me as a, as a kid, I, I didn't ever even um, pick up that this was mostly driven by uh, strategy. Here's what I picked up on. My dad likes me. So the, the idea of... Um, all right, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to make disciples. Okay, but, but from the, the, the child's perspective, it was started with boyhood. Hey, you are loved. Hey, you've got what it takes. Hey, you can do what Jesus you know, is calling you to do. You can fulfill your calling. But so the, the narrative though that I think I felt was enjoyment. I think that it was, it was, I've got a friend. So I would say, I mean, talk to me about that idea. Did you do... Undoubtedly, there were so many difficult times, um, but it seems to me, I'm gonna put words in your mouth, but it seems to me that um, you, you fell in love with the process. Like you fell in love with each, each time that you spent with kids. I mean, I remember um, that process started when I was young, I think even before I even went to kindergarten. And then, um, I mean, when I was a, a sophomore at University of Oklahoma, we would meet halfway. You were clear up Northwest Oklahoma City, and I wanted to keep meeting, you wanted to keep meeting. 
So in addition to this is a system uh, of trying to be obedient to Christ, it kind of like a, just a, it seemed to me like there was real enjoyment of it, like you really loved it. Huge. And when we spent a few minutes trying to figure out what to do today, you mentioned that. And I hadn't thought about it much. Because that wasn't a, I just didn't think about it much. But I did think about it. And the fact is, I loved it. But then I thought about it, and, and you said it, and I try not to get too emotional, but I loved it because I loved you. And Dana, and Deborah, and Dan. And, and what, what the reason I, I, I loved being with you because I cared about you, and I wanted desperately to help you, but my idea of helping you was not making you the best basketball player in the state. Or yeah, make, that would have been God of miracles. <laughs> or making you a straight-A student. Simple. Or good in algebra. Or having the coolest clothes. Or getting a big job. I was very narrow. I was deeply convicted that if somehow I did whatever it took to make you the best ball player, the best student, all the stuff that, you know, if I, if I did all that, but I didn't help you have the best possible relationship with Jesus, I would have failed you in the most important thing. But I also was convicted deeply, probably to a fault, but I was convicted that if I spent my time and energy helping you, coaching you in what I believed was most important, which was a real relationship with the living God, it would bear fruit, it would have behavior implications and all of that, and I knew that. But I knew it came out of relationship. And I knew that relationships don't happen automatically. They have to be coached. They have to be modeled. They have to be taught. They have to be practiced. And so I knew that if I would do that with you, that the rest would take care of. I knew if I'd seek first the kingdom, all these other things. So I was like a laser on coaching you in your relationship with God. And, and that, and here's what I realized this week, I loved it. I was getting to coach something that mattered. I coached football. I coached basketball. I'm not saying that didn't matter. It, it really, I had some of my best days. Did, did more things as a coach in football and basketball often than I did as a pastor that were really kingdom beneficial. But, but there was nothing that I enjoyed more than, than not just being with you because I loved you, but the dream that I saw and and, and the hard work of learning how to pass, learning how to shoot, learning how to screen in spiritual terms, coaching you in how to relate to Jesus was fun for me. And I loved it because I loved you and I wanted what was best and we were working toward what was best and that was motivating for me. So speak to the mundane parts, uh, what you said at the beginning about how uh, it takes little steps over and over again. Uh, in the difficult times. And I would look at the early years as formative um, and probably enjoyable when, when we were little, obviously all of us, three of us being the same age, you know, so much going on at the same time. Um, but then junior high, high school, college, um, those years, speak to some of those, those valleys, some of those difficult moments. I mean, I know Dana was near perfect, but Deborah and me and Dan, I mean, we, we had some challenges. We don't believe in original sin anymore, right? No, never mind. Okay. Yeah. 
oh, this is going online, be careful. So, um, no, but speak to that. Speak to the, the, the difficult things, you know, like, because I, I think that um, sometimes when you hear that, like I'm in the thick of it right now. I mean, my kids are 12, 14, 16, 7, yeah. And, and so, <laughs> speak of, and, and so it's, it's um, high dream, high, high goals, and then sometimes it can feel a little bit overwhelming in the day-to-day attempt to make disciples. Talk about, can you, can you do that? Is that right, Deborah? Can we, no, no, I'm just kidding. We won't put you on the spot. But can we talk about some of the, those challenging times? Yeah. yeah. And, and, of course, the foundation was in place through all of our meetings and the coaching you to even spend time with the Lord and training you and bribing you to do it. I, I didn't give you any money for taking out the garbage because you should have done that, but I pay you all kinds of, well, I think all kinds of money. You don't. That's all right. A penny a day, Dad. Well, no, come on. It was a better than that. Two cents? D. No, come on. Help me out. No, no, no. Three D, be cents, quiet. Four cents. Okay. So, uh, I, I, let me win this argument. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I love you want to remember it. <laughs> yeah, my memory's better than yours. Come on. Anyhow. So, um, but we had worked hard in establishing the foundation. Yeah. But then when the stuff came, we'd already had history yeah. through all the dates where I listened to you. I was not to teach you. Early on, very early, when I have time to talk about this, but we did teach you to obey, to come under authority for a ton of really big reasons. Yeah. That's a parenting seminar down the road. But as soon as you could reason, as soon as you could talk, you would want to stay or go or run things or didn't want to do what you were told to accept, you, you know, whatever. But then I would say, well, you give me a reason for doing this or not doing that. Give me why to do it. Give me why not to. And I forced you by asking you questions, coming out of a lot of relationship, but coming out of saying, okay, you want to go stay with your friend's house? Help me to understand why. I could have told you why I thought it would be better or not good, you know, but I wanted you to think. So I didn't teach you. I didn't tell you. I said, you tell me. What do you think would be best? What do you th- why do you think it wouldn't be best? And, if, and I would say to you, I hope I said, I intended to say over and over, that if you can persuade me, you can do anything you want, but you've got to persuade me. So why do you think? Go ahead. Where did you get that example? Who taught you to ask questions? Well, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I can remember the specific, but when I was studying Jesus, how he made disciples, I remember the day I wrote down, and I had my theology, my Christology going, and I said, he asked a ton of questions, over 360, I think it is, I'm not sure. He asked questions all the time, and I wrote it down, if I'm going to make disciples the way Jesus did, i got to ask questions. That's where I got the idea. And so instead of me teaching you, I asked you questions. So just give us a few of the questions that Jesus asked. I know I'm just, I know this is spontaneous, oh. but. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, the, the big ones I use in our regular discipling process now is, who do you say that I am? Do you understand what I've done? Are you listening to me? Do you truly love me? If so, care for and feed my lambs and sheep. Do you actually believe me? Th- those are five that I stole from him that I use in my discipling process. Right. Yeah. And so uh, what I would say, the questions that I remember you asking me is, so what, what do you think Jesus wants? Yeah. What is Jesus leading you to? Yeah. Yeah. 
what, what, and when I, when I hit a moment where I didn't know the answer, because that was quite often, um, you would say things like, well, what do you think I think? Yep. And then I had a person in front of me that was uh, devoted to Jesus, that was an example, yep. that helped, so that, so that my mindset was not just following commands, yep. but my mindset was learning to think uh, as a follower of yep. Jesus. So my intention and my memory, but memory changed, you know, but <laughs> my intention was that I would ask you to tell me what you think. And if it didn't seem strong enough that I say, great, you can do it. I would... That's why my meetings were longer than the girls. <laughs> would you do what you do? You got to meet them where they are. That's right. And so, and so, so then, then I would say, my memory is that I would say, well, do you know what I think? Yeah. And you often did. In fact, it seemed, again, my memory is that you usually did. And then, so, so I, I started by asking what you think, and you'd say, and if it wasn't good enough, I'd say, well, you know what I think. I wouldn't tell you the answer. And then you'd say, yeah. Well, I'd say, well, what do I think? And you'd tell me, and then I'd say, so what do you think about what I think? Because I wanted, it, it's not good enough for me to think about it. You had to own it. Yeah. But I didn't want to tell you own it. That's the truth. Believe it. But then my memory is that sometimes, I know, I know, sometimes I said, and I intended to say, it really doesn't matter too much what I think. Do you know what Jesus thinks? Right. Because I wanted you to see him objectively as a truth source that was really smart to buy into. Mm-hmm. There's, there's positional authority. we gotten that in place. There's relational authority where you want to please Jesus because you love him, but there's this rational process. I wanted you to believe that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. I wanted you to, to think, what does Jesus think? Because I didn't want you to follow me. I didn't want you to be my disciple. I wanted you to be Jesus' disciple, but I knew he needed me to connect you to him. And Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Exactly. And if I say, if I see you following Jesus, yeah. then it's the best yeah example for me to see right in front of me, which happened over and over again with your kids. Okay, so... Well, let me add one more thing real quickly. Totally. Um, It's your day. Yeah, for 39 seconds. Um, No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And now I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say. That's all right. No, no, no. Now I remember. I just remembered. I hope I said to you enough. I hope I said there will be times when I don't follow Jesus. When I say things, I do things that are not his way, his tone, his attitude, his spirit. And you'll be my friend if you'll tell me. If you ever say anything. I hope I said that to enough to you enough that you bought it. Do you remember that? Sure. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was not ultimately about following you. It was about following Jesus. Yeah. And then it was saying, let's do that together. Yes. And that was ultimately, uh, it was reciprocated. Yeah. Hey, help me. Yeah. Uh, which is a lot to say to a 13-year-old, you know, or 14-year-old to say, hey, help me follow Jesus. That was a, I mean, I think you were saying it to me as a pretty, pretty young age. Like if you see anything in me that doesn't look like Jesus. But but I meant it and you, you can see what's wrong. You could see what was wrong. Everybody knows when we don't do right. Right. When our attitude's wrong, when our tone is wrong, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to know that. So, so, I mean, you were. But it was a good thing. Okay, let's go next up and let's talk about, uh, first off, you alone with the Lord, uh, making disciples in New Jersey, form a plan to make disciples of your, ki- your children, uh, and looked a lot like what you were doing in the local church, mm-hmm. um, implementing that. 
And then the point that I wanted to make was just that it's awesome. Like discipling your children, you, you fall in love with, you're in love with Jesus and you fall in love with them. Yeah. Like you love, you, you care. And it's, it's not just a, a grind. It's like you want what's best. Yeah. So and you die for it. It gets, it gets, it gets in you. It, yeah. it rearranges where yeah. you're, um, it's actually what you enjoy. Yeah. It's not yeah. the burden. Like, yeah. uh, I'm yeah. supposed to be a good dad. Yeah, it's actually, like, I'll just interrupt you. It was more fun. Don't tell anybody I said this. Meeting with you was more fun than the people I was supposed to meet with at the church. Oh, they, you're bored. I know. They, I met they them. didn't pay attention to me. <laughs> you at least paid attention. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is off. We're not taping this, right? Oh, it's going to be okay. on the internet forever. All right. Oh. So new yeah, day. And, and so you loved it. Yeah. You loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. So let's go next phase. And that is, um, I think the thing that, uh, that Deborah and Dana and Dan and I would say was Jesus was everything to you, your magnificent obsession, your delight, your joy. And that made you strange. That made you rare. That made you, um, because I think we lived, uh, in a culture that was kind of a Sunday morning um, check a box um, in terms of the city that we lived in and how most of the, what kind of what Christianity looked like. Um, big, big overstatement, but you know what I'm saying? Like, but our family, you had this intentional every day. Let's be with Jesus. Let's, let's, let's have a, a, a family gathering, a family meeting where we talk about what it means to follow Jesus. And let's talk about our motives. And it just, it was, so we experienced um, Jesus being a big deal to you. Yeah. Just as simple as that is, and we're to connect fathers to making disciples. Can you just talk about how that happened? Yeah. How, how, how Jesus became yeah. so much to you? Yeah. And, and before I launch that, I just wanted to say one sentence that came to me. We talk about what's important to us. Mm-hmm. And if we don't use the name Jesus... Faith comes by hearing. If we use the word Santa Claus, we believe. But we need, you need to use the name Jesus. If, if we'll have intentional conversations about Jesus, mm. not just what you ought to do and how to do, but that's huge and that's a whole other discussion. But let, let, me, let me get to your question unless you want to. Can I add to that? Yeah. Because what you're doing is you're helping point to the why. Yeah. And, and so sometimes as parents, what we do is we, may, we connect all the dots and then we give the command. And we, but we, you're wanting to help children, teenager, young adult, 45-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Keep In connecting fact, it to Jesus. I, I hope I said, and I think I said, I don't, I don't want to tell you what to do. I don't want to be your boss. I, I don't want to be your parent. I want you to, but I do want you, I want you to be connected to Jesus. Yeah. I want him to be your life. So anyhow, that's another discussion. Let me go back to your question. Um, Try to say it concisely. Here's the, here's the simplistic but actually simple answer. Why did I love Jesus so much? Because I knew him. I knew him. You can't. You can't love someone you don't know. I knew I'd, I'd, uh, and I knew him long before I became a pastor. That's probably why I became a pastor. I knew him in the garden before I was a pastor. I knew him on the cross. 
before I became a pastor. I knew him as God who emptied himself. God, rich, became poor. God, God with all power, limited himself. I knew him. Most of all, the thing that stunned me perhaps more than, and the, I, I could, you know, time limits, but I came to learn about Jesus. Maybe, I don't know if we want to put it on the screen. I, it's, it's, I got a bunch of scripture on this, but, but I learned to know about Jesus, that he didn't just on the cross suffer and say, Father, forgive them, which is enough to make you love him. Or in the garden of his own free will, lay down his life. I do it freely of my own choosing, he said. Father, if it be possible. And the father didn't say, you have to go. The father just gave him a bigger picture. And Jesus got it and saw it and said, nevertheless, not my will. But that was the big moment. It wouldn't have, been, it wouldn't have meant a thing except Jesus, moment by moment, Jesus was always led by the Spirit. Jesus was never the leader. He was always the follower. He didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. He didn't even come to any conclusions or any judgments on his own. Jesus always was in relationship with his Father by the presence of the Spirit. <laughs> and he never, ever one time ignored the Father. The very essence of sin, ignoring God. He... he Theologians disagree. He, I take the side, he could have, but he wouldn't. And I saw him live his life. And I just loved him. And I wanted to live for him, who not only died for me, but first emptied himself of everything and lived for me in my place, substituting what he lived it would, that I didn't live. And so I didn't... Honestly, I didn't want anything except what he wanted. And I don't know how, well, it doesn't matter. But it, it was just real because I knew him. That's the quick answer. I, I knew Jesus that, enough to love him. And it doesn't take too much to realize how, what it means that God, the word became flesh. It doesn't take too much to figure that out. So anyhow, that's it. That's a six-hour sermon in however long I did. That's pretty good. <laughs> we're gonna get, let's, let's hit the processes in just a second. Okay. Let's go um, seventh-inning stretch right there. Okay. And Sorry. let's go. I'd like to invite you just right here, just 60 seconds, to just invite anybody that wants to know Jesus. Just, I, I know in the oh. first service I did that at the end. Yeah, sure. But what you just said right there, that, that's what I experienced. I experienced watching you know Jesus, and it, ins it was inspirational to me. Oh. And there might be people here in this moment that in an untraditional way just yeah. right now want to surrender their life yeah. to Christ. Well, I'll Make just Jesus tell you that Jesus loves you so much he'd die for you. But first he'd live for you. And then he'd say, come to me, and I can promise you this isn't, this isn't the slightest bit of hype. This is my testimony He'll save your life. If, if you get to know him enough to trust him and give your heart to doing what he said, we all come so far short, but God sees the heart. Man looks on the outward. I, I, all I can say is he'll save your life. 
now and eternally. No one, no one has, I mean, the blessings and benefits that we experience because of Jesus. Look at your family. Look at ours. So if, if somehow you haven't known enough about Jesus to say, I can trust him. If he tells me to go jump in the lake, I, I trust him. If you haven't known Jesus enough to trust him, I don't invite you to get into, it's a marriage. I don't invite you to get into the marriage maybe in this moment, but at least go out on dates, get to know him, keep showing up, keep chasing, get to know him, whom to know is life eternal. He'll save your life. He really will. But maybe you know enough about him today. If you haven't decided to follow him because you trust him, because you know enough about him that he's trustworthy, you could do that right now. Right now. You could say, Jesus, with what I know about you, I'm willing to say, come into my house. You died to make it possible for me to have relationship with you, but you don't force it. But I invite you, come in, let's walk, let's talk, let's forgive the language, let's get married. You live with me, I'll live with you. We'll work on it together. You'll be perfect, I'll be imperfect, but you'll be gracious and kind and gentle. And together, we'll make progress. There's, it's the best and the smartest thing you could ever do for now and eternity. If you'd like, if you're ready, if you can say it authentically, Jesus, I think I know you enough that I trust you. Not just what you did for me 2,000 years ago, but to lead me now. I have faith in you. I'll come to get to know you better. I'll, the more I know you, the more I'll love you. Because I trust you. What you call me to, I'll give myself to follow. Are you able to say these things with me? It's good for all of us. I'm so glad that you don't judge me by my performance. I'm not good enough. But what I can control is the determination of my will. And I determine, I have decided that I'd rather walk with you and follow you than anything else. So I respond to your grace and your goodness with my holy resolve to follow you because I trust you, because I know you. If you can say that with authenticity, welcome to the family of God. A greatest miracle, far greater than anything you could ever imagine, just occurred if you did that right now. I said a lot of words in a hurry, but if you tracked with it, the living God of the universe, the creator and savior of the universe came to dwell in you to partner with you to save your life. 
in spite of all the junk, all the confusion, all the arrogance, all the misunderstanding. He is the way, the truth, and life. He will save you if you keep trusting him. Keep trusting. You started, you made a covenant, run the race, finish the race. Amen? Amen. So good. All right, we're going to close out here. Okay. I want to just hit these three real quickly because okay. I think they're, sp- they're strategic. Um, we'll switch the order on you. Sorry. I, I, let's go process. One, alone with Jesus. Two, disciple your family. Intentional family meeting. I'm going to give you all three and then I'll let you talk about all three. Three, get a band of believers, a small group that helps you on the journey. Can you do those? I can. Can you let me argue with you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because hardly anyone is very good at establishing number one on their own. So let me rearrange the order. That's awesome. And you can correct it next week. Yeah, you can go smaller okay. first. <laughs> so just psychologically, sociologically, experientially, we need a band of brothers We need a band of disciples who are commonly committed to knowing and following Jesus, commonly aware that we struggle, but who gather together to say, big purpose, we're going to be Jesus' disciples. How to do that? Well, it certainly includes time alone with Jesus. It is a marriage. And so... We talk about it. We practice it together, just like we did with you around the dinner table. And, you know, we do that first and then say, now, go do on your own what you've learned to do together. But it's not just modeling the right way. It's making commitments, renewing commitments, praying for each other, coming back, being honest about the struggle, being accountable for it and helping each other and then going out again. Praying for each other, coming back, and just over and over and over and over. It's a long, steady journey. So I encourage, I mean, you can, you can say, I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock every morning and meet with Jesus. Well, best luck. I mean, best wishes. Because most people, they, they're, they're sincere, well-intentioned, and they set these high goals, and then they fumble, they stumble, and then they give up. So I say, get, get some comment. And that's the great news about your church. Every son, I mean, th- this is just happening here. But get some comrades who are committed to the same thing and meet together. Prioritize time to meet about the most important things. It's actually more important than the NBA, you know, actually, believe it or not. <laughs> and I watched the last game. So anyhow, because I like basketball. But get a, a, a small group, a band, and talk about that we need to spend time with Jesus, talk about how to do it, pray for each other, report progress. I don't let even people tell about the mistakes and problems. I just say, tell us the good stuff. So good. Be accountable for the good things. That's what God did. Tell us the good. But if there's nothing to talk about, we know that they're struggling. If they don't come to the meeting, we know they're struggling. <laughs> right? See. So, so then do that. Then work on your time. The first one you mentioned. Work hard. I like to say work hard on the marriage. Spend time alone with Jesus. If you abide in me and my words in you, you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do zip. Nothing of benefit. So, and out of that, let me just add one thing you didn't say, and this is a whole sermon series, but 
out of that, a band that you're partnering with together, you got your arm. It's a team, more than a team, it's an army, a little army that helps you go out, prioritize time which is as the first priority of your life. But then out of those two kinds of meetings, you get better at actually being led by Jesus all day long. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it's not automatic that just because you, I'll say, go to church and even have your quiet time, it's not automatic that you learn to quit leading and to follow. It's, very, it's a very new and different skill to quit doing what I think and what I feel as a well-intended person. It is a big deal to be led by the Spirit. We just have habits of doing what I think, what I want. So, and, and the bottom line with you, with our families, if, if we as the parents of the family, if we go to church on Sunday or a small group or even get up and pray, but we're not learning and getting better at denying ourselves so we don't pop off and say what we think, and, but we slow down and let the Spirit lead us, if we don't do that, all the other things won't be much good because we'll look like hypocrites. We're not. We're sincere, but we haven't learned to be doers of the specific word, which is, first of all, follow Jesus. Quit leading and follow. So all of that to say that the time alone, I mean, the time in a group and the time that you spend alone with Jesus is very helpful and almost necessary to making progress in being led by the Spirit. It's much more, wish we had time to talk about it, there's, there's a big difference between being full of the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. Those are two different things. And we need to be led. It doesn't do any good to have all the truth in the world, be well-intended, but not live it out. And so, so if you do those things, that'll help you be what you need to be in front of your kids so that you're making disciples by your life, not just your words. Make sense? We've got to be led by the Spirit. But then when we got those things in place, making progress and am honest about our struggle to meet in the group, to spend time with Jesus, to follow. We realize we struggle. We realize we have to be saved by the grace and presence of God, but we have stuff we're working through. But then we become credible and authentic so we can say to our children, let's meet, let's talk. And that becomes your group. That becomes their group. See, they need a group just like you need a group. So that becomes their group where you can train them coach them in how to relate to Jesus so they can do it on their own. I'll never forget Deborah. Uh, I don't know what the clock is. Uh, it's, forget that. It's not his fault. It's my fault. I remember, I remember Deborah. I snuck into her room one morning. I never did. She was in middle school, junior high. And I saw her turquoise Bible there. Sorry. On her bed, open, Jeremiah. Just Every color written about talking to Jesus, talking back, because we trained her how to do that in the group meeting and bribed her with one penny a day to do it, whatever it was. You never, you can't imagine the joy because she had a group where we talked about what it meant to know and follow Jesus. We talked about Jesus. And so she got it on her own. And then look at the fruit. So my order is we need help. We're so weak. We need the body. Then we do better on our own in the quiet place. If we do those, then we'll do better in the public place. We're called to pray without ceasing, which means always be led by the Spirit. Bring every thought captive. Rejoice always and everything. Give thanks. Blah, blah, blah. You got to be kidding. No, I'm not. Okay, it'll save your life. Okay, we'll get better. 
And then our disciple making will have the credibility of being the real deal. And then we can invite people to follow us as we've learned how to follow Jesus. Amen. And there's a ton of details in all of that, but those are the great big pictures. That's beautiful. Is that enough? Hey, can you give my dad a big hand? Hey, let's all stand together. I also just want to add, um, my parents, Hal and Debbie Perkins, are leading a small group on Monday nights for our summer small group semester. And uh, my dad's book is available for free to everybody that joins that group. Or you can join one of his Zoom calls. He's doing um, Zoom calls. And you can go to our website, radiantchurchkc.com. And uh, there's a, a pathway for you to connect. Um, and he's giving out books to everybody that... Uh, joins his group. And so, love you, Mom. So great. You guys are incredible, amazing, wonderful. Let's just take a moment. I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward and the prayer team to come forward, and we'll, we'll close like this today. Let me just pray over our, our families. Believe God to help us take steps to be disciples of Jesus. Father, we love you today. And God, there's no greater delight than following you. I thank you for every father and mother. Thank you for every child and teenager, every grandparent, every single person in the room. Jesus, we want to look like you and be like you and follow you. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, come and help us. On our own, we will go our own way. We wanna be close. We wanna stay close. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, I love even that phrase that dad talked about every family, a group. And I just pray that in our homes, mothers and fathers, Lord, would be able to lead their children, bless them and strengthen them. We ask, Lord Jesus, God, as we give today, Lord, take what we give, use it to make a difference. God, as we have hundreds and hundreds of teenagers gathering next week, as we prepare for our serve day in July, Father, we ask, Lord, that you would Use what we give to make a difference here in Kansas City and around the world. We honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name.